This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss Thomas Frank's dress rehearsal for the villa job at Villa Park, Mr. Chris Burt, Mr. Phil Shaw, and uh, our favourite glory hunter, Mr. Dan Rogers. Welcome. Hello, hello. How you doing? Hello. The last time you were on the show was when we beat Everton, I think. Well, I mean, I, I saw you just five minutes before kickoff. I, I looked down from the upper hole and I saw you trying to get a good vantage point so you could run onto the pitch and rip up your season card in front of Aaron Danks's face. I was but- poised, poised. <laughs> and if, if anyone had seen the biblical weather before kickoff, they'd have known my reappearance from the crypt was imminent. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be winning. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, I wonder how long it'll be until you appear again on the podcast. Tough games ahead, but uh, I mean, we were expecting a Thomas Franks masterclass and we were saying, yes, he should start as Villa boss immediately, but uh, not the way I'd want my interview to go. Fumbled it. Up in flames. <laughs> 3 0 down uh, after what, 13, 14 minutes. I mean, we'll uh, get into the minutiae of uh, a bizarre and incredible afternoon at Villa Park. First, though, we will uh, catch up on the latest Villa news. The. Media Muppets, three points. What else do we do on this show? Well, we'll have a look to see who's going who's gonna to be manager, maybe. Have a, a nosy. Oh, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll have a look at that as have well. Have we sacked uh, another one? Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, since you've been gone. Yeah, yeah. We get, what political party are we? We did get rid of Gerard, uh, if you missed that one. Yeah, not that I predicted that at all, but... <laughs> Told you so. When when did you tell us? Say how early was? Oh, that? And, and, and this is the beauty of the modern. Now now that the concert, you can just lie about anything. It's yeah, the new you don't norm. Have to, Dan was telling us about this before Gerard arrived. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Told you, and I was right. His research group had already had already told us this stuff. Apparently, the uh, facts and the truth don't matter anymore. I mean, I I said a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, uh, this is what Perslow said. People say, no, oh, you never. This never happened. You never spoke to Perslow. Well. He was in front of my face. It looked like Perslow, smelt like Perslow. 
I mean, I didn't do a DNA test, but I presume, uh, it, you know, it's not a clone of Perslow. And then I put up a tweet during the game when uh, the upper Holt was singing, uh, are you watching Stevie G? And then you get back and you open up your Twitter and it's like, oh, I was in the Holt and this never happened. Oh, this no- song never happened. It's like, well, I said, you obviously went in the upper Holt. Well, yeah, I was in the lower Holt, but I didn't hear it. Well, doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened. Yeah, can we just go back to smelling like personal? What, what's that? Is that brute or is it like high karate or something like that? I'm thinking it smells it's, expensive. I'm thinking it's I'm thinking it's eighties. I'm thinking it's eighties. I've got a musky, <laughs> leathery, old spice. Oh come on, let's move on. Uh, it doesn't matter because David didn't meet him anyway. It was a, a lie. <laughs> <so. laughs> Don't you start, Jesus Christ! That is bizarre. But you see how the whole uh, American politics was for you know the Republicans and Democrats. How they go crazy, and same in the UK. This kind of uh, the truth almost takes the. Uh, backseat nowadays it's bizarre how people think anyway moving swiftly along let's just go straight into the villa news Right, first one off the uh, top, we've already mentioned it. Obviously, uh, Steven Gerrard has gone. Uh, Bing Bang Bosch made me laugh, and I said it on something for the weekend, was the the need to uh, change that song. You're getting sacked in the morning because uh, we've advanced now where we, we you can sack a manager within an hour of uh, leaving uh, leaving the pitch. It was 50-50 whether he made the bus. Yeah, I don't, I don't get this bus story because people are saying, you know, there's... You know, there's obviously professional footballers that are coming out supporting him, uh, as you would expect. But they're pushing this story that they sacked him and then he was made to go on the bus back. And they're saying, how unprofessional is that? How how, how could they do that? Somebody sacked you, you just order an Uber, don't you? You're not exactly short of a bob or two. Yeah, you, no. you, you could probably get an uber helicopter i don't know you're in a nice bit of london get a hotel i'd have been yeah. i'd have i'd have really enjoyed the awkwardness and it would have insisted upon going on the bus personally <laughs> and sat right in the middle of everyone <laughs> nude so there's no way that that happened um, it's not as if uh sorry you're sacked uh yeah shit uh, is it all right if i get a lift uh, on the bus is that all right i don't think that's I wonder who he sat next to i don't think that happened i think it was he was on the bus and he got the call that's more likely that kind of makes sense but anyway he's adiosing uh what what did you think dan in terms of the timing without well, being uh, mr hindsight <laughs> captain hindsight captain uh, hindsight yeah. well i mean timing wise he he probably had got longer when you when you look at the last few games. He got longer than he probably deserved. I thought the Fulham game was like a funeral. They were all lined up on the on the dugout in the dugout, and it, they needed him sacked. And you know, as as we saw against Brentford, it was we we needed an absolute clear out by the looks of it. And I don't know what's been going on in the background, but it, it seems to me that, that 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 something was quite amiss. The thing is, there was no way they were going to let him stay after Fulham, uh, bearing in mind that. Uh, you know, as I said on the previous part, it's like just entering the Roman Coliseum. Yeah. Roman Coliseum at Villa Park, if you failed there, it's better to put him out of his misery at the Fulham game than let him, you know, linger at Villa Park because, he, you know, 40,000 going at you. Not very nice. Well, they'd have been on his back as soon as you conceded or anything yeah. remotely went wrong, wouldn't they? Our on-field displays were reflecting Gerard's demeanour. You know, yeah. we, we, it was it was so apparent and, and, you know, the obvious things are that we... we 
the, the win ratio had dropped below that of Sherwood, but without any of the enthusiasm, you know, Sherwood's an easy easy target back in the day for for his strange charisma, if you like. But but Gerard, you couldn't you can put your finger on what the motivating factor to to, to arrest what was a really worrying slide of form. We didn't like scoring, let alone winning. Bizarre. Just to move on uh, to the next point, uh, obviously Douglas Louise sending off in that game was was pivotal. I mean, I don't think we were going to win that game by any means. Uh, I mean, if uh, we got anything from that game, it would have been Fulham throwing it away or just losing their earlier intensity. But it sealed the deal, Louise going off. And just it's almost like typical uh, when it's going bad, it's going bad. The fact that Louise yeah, <laughs> gets his suspension rescinded and he's, uh, he's not uh, suspended for three games. I mean, you, you kind of chuckle at that because you just think, well, when you when you got to go, you got to go. Yeah, it was an awful decision at the time. The two of them just banged chests and then Mitrovic goes down like a sack of spuds. That was it. Yeah, and but the thing is, VAR, the whole idea of VAR is to uh, stamp all that shit out, all the Mitrovic is diving around. You know, they even got to interview him at the, at the end of the game and he was like, you know, just making out that it was uh, he was hard done by. Bare-faced to, you know, to the nation. It was another one of those, well, exactly, and you you said at the, the beginning around here, now you can just you can just lie to people and, you know, 30 minutes earlier they'd seen it. But did you know there was a couple of strange things about that? It didn't didn't look like, you know, sending off at the time, I didn't think. But the, the, the camera angle that they chose was, was from, I think, shot from Villa Park. Like behind the goal. It was the it? strangest. <laughs> and then the TV didn't work, so he was looking at some sort of tiny little screen, but... Also, to show that things weren't very good, uh, somehow the press knew who who uh, was being dropped for the uh, for the game against Brentford. It's uh, not a good look. That. With the Daily Telegraph, no. uh, obviously. Uh, privy to some villa mole who told them that McGinn and Ramsey were out now that's either the players themselves or somebody who's well I don't know what would motivate that actually well there's no gain unless it was Danks but you know why would he do that <laughs> maybe hey, naivety talking a plot to it. twist it was not it's not the first time that there's been well that's, what, the that's what I'm saying like mm. Danks has been the mole all along and then he just he forgot that he's now a caretaker <laughs> boss and it's long oh, perfect super villain <laughs> yeah anti yeah. anti-hero and it's plausible deniability now as well, isn't it? Why would I leak it? <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, meanwhile, that that result and the feel-good factor from it should, uh, in my guess, see the badge vote finally be, be put out there. We had a like a, a Zoom, well, Microsoft Teams to be exact, meeting consultation because the club wanted to run through a few things like uh, the poll and what would be in the poll, etc., uh, you know, my uh, what I was thinking was hopefully two new designs uh, to vote on. But, uh, <laughs> unfortunately uh, not. But because uh, they still got that timeline, if they want it to be on the new kit uh, for next season, then uh, it has to be uh, sent and signed off uh, by the end of the month, really. It's maybe a leeway of a week or so after. But So I would say this is the opportunity because when you look at the fixture list, uh, you know, if you're looking through their eyes, you're looking at Newcastle away, Manchester United at home, you're thinking, yeah, this is as good, good a window you're going to get. So uh, look out for that. And I, I will be writing about uh, the last uh, leg of the process on uh, the, the new crest uh, on uh, astonvilla.wtf. Meanwhile, under-21s, immediately uh, after Gerard uh, disappeared, suddenly uh, didn't lose because they've been serial losers so far. Uh, they got a one-all draw against Forrest. Uh, 
Aston Villa women I did say it was like a key litmus test West Ham and Everton both games at home against teams that would be around the middle of the table and uh, Villa women lost uh, I mean it was it was kind of a competitive game lost 1-0 to Everton after getting beat 2-1 by West Ham which was unfortunate so a bit of a reset there probably of expectations before we go on uh, this episode of the My Old Man Said podcast is brought to you by Penfold pension experts for the self-employed and pensionless as you will all know, My Men Said likes to seek out more constructive sponsors for listeners rather than just the typical gambling sponsors of most football media. We have turned a few of those down uh, in recent months. So in the spirit of that, I just want to thank Penfold for continuing to be on board to support the My Men Said podcast. Penfold is a pension company uh, I actually found uh, back in lockdown now uh, when I realized it might be a good idea to get a pension uh, being self-employed uh, since that was their speciality. Uh, the interesting thing is 86% of self-employed people don't actually contribute to a pension and and only 31% of self-employed people actually have a pension set up compared to 99% of the standard workforce. Obviously in uncertain financial times at the moment it's a good idea if you do have any uh, spare cash or you're not actually contributing to a pension to uh, look towards your long-term future and take advantage of 25% government tax bonus to everything you put in. Also so you get compound interest from uh, the expertly managed uh, fund to build your long-term future. And also you can get Penfold to add any old pensions you have uh, into your pot. Uh, it's very easy to set up. It's all via an app on your phone and it only takes five minutes or so. And also uh, you get yourself a bonus £50 on moms in your pension fund by signing up at Get penfold.com slash moms using the code moms also when you sign up with pensions as with all investments your capital is at risk and the right, value Mr. of Shaw, what you put in may time go up for medium as well as down What's in the trough this week, Mr. Shoy? Well, it, it's been a busy week and the old medium Muppets, um, we'll have to start with Football Insider, don't we? It's the only place, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they'll claim now that they are crystal ball-esque, but continue. Yes, well, Football Insider put out that Aston Villa have sacked Steven Gerrard. Um, this was before the, the Fulham game, so this was just after the 2-0 defeat to Chelsea, when they'd actually played all right, as we discussed last week. Of course, it generated the usual hype online and everything else before Tommy Jordan, um, Aston Villa's communications director, came out and said, basically, no, how many times can you publish complete lies before people unfollow the account? Not sure why anyone follows this account. If you do, you shouldn't. Well, people won't unfollow it because as we've established already on this uh, podcast, uh, this episode, nobody cares about what's truth. No, and it seems to have duped Stan Collymore as well because he put put up straight away. Uh, that's all, folks. He loves that. That's his favorite gift. Yeah. He always he always comes out with that. And when I saw that, I thought, ah, maybe it is true because you're thinking, ah, oh, Liverpool connections, and then you think, mm, yeah, I think you fucked up here. You've just jumped on the bandwagon without doing your research. Uh, wouldn't be the first time. But we'll have another contender as well because after the deed was finally done after film, um, Mark Ogden, who's a senior writer at ESPN, came out with this candidate for Tweet Exchange of the Year. His first tweet was it's almost impossible now to revive big premier league clubs without huge money to spend jared had no chance at villa marsh will find the same at leeds and and only newcastle are bucking the trend because of money well we have spent we have spent a bit one of his own colleague came back and said eight wins in 34 though it's barely life support um and this is the this is the one where it just shows that he hasn't even done any sort of 
not even due diligence, really. He hasn't even watched them. He just goes, that's good going with that squad. I'm glad this came out before the Brentford game. Because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as if Villa fans are looking to win the league. You'd been happy with sort of like organised competency throughout the squad and working towards better. Um, so that wasn't good going. I mean, it was barely a pulse. It wasn't life support. So it did what you do with most of these hot takes. Um, I just had a quick look at what his, what his opinion was, you know, a few months ago or a few weeks ago. So one of his older tweets was, whenever Leicester won the FA Cup, good game that for a non-Big Six team. Um, yes, they have money, but they recruit and sell well. No reason why the likes of Villa, Leeds, Southampton, etc. can't follow their blueprint. So what's changed in the six months? Then we'll go a bit back further. This was when Villa were in, lolling about in the championship. Some big names out there who could relaunch their careers with the likes of Leeds and Aston Villa. So just like politicians, football writers, just change their ideals with the wind. It's just whatever's the popular opinion at the time. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, There's not even room this week for uh, that headline uh, thing I tweeted about Conte. Dreadful. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't read the story because you don't need. There to. wasn't one. No, I there didn't either. One. <laughs> Just a load of advertising. Just in case you haven't seen it, it said uh, Aston Villa could take Antonio Conte from Spurs as shock manager claim made. Why? <laughs> why? Oh, why? What? I mean, apart from clicks, why humiliate yourself? Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, uh, let's blaze through the three points before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game. Uh, point number one, the continued chaos in Westminster has delayed the white paper on the fan-led review. I'm sure Perslow will be happy because he doesn't like uh, a regulator. Tracy Crouch, who the MP who uh, led the review, actually I spoke to two or three times uh, during the process. Uh, she has said, uh, I know that the DCMS are working hard on the white paper, but but it still hasn't been published. I would expect nothing less than top quality, but it is being delayed by politics, and that is frustrating as I am keen to get on with it. Crouch believes a regulator will happen, but the current chaos is delaying everything. Perslow's objection to a regulator is that the Premier League clubs should be able to, you know, they have the experience of looking after the money and, you know, running themselves, so they should get on with it. And, you know, I argued, well, uh, the reason why this regulator has popped up is the fact that clubs have been getting going out of business and it's uh, not just it, that just shouldn't happen full stop so uh, while i agree that you know the premier league shouldn't necessarily have to uh, give all these clubs money to survive uh, i mean obviously there is a trickle down but it's not up to the premier league clubs to sustain everything there should be a conscience but also there should be some kind of independent body perhaps to make sure that uh, clubs don't get to the point where uh, they endanger themselves because it's not just the business obviously it's part of uh, community some fans it's the main thing in their lives and if you can't you know you take that away where do you leave them uh point number two uh what's happened to romolo lukaku is he just cast away now he's just living the life in milan isn't he it's just a 12 months, isn't it, alone that he's out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jay-Z, who uh, owns Rock Nation, which is it's kind of a management representation firm, isn't it, that uh, Tyrone Mings also uh, belongs to, is uh, basically trying to convince uh, Lukaku to stay out there for another 12 months. Uh, I think that seems to be in the best interests of everybody, doesn't it? You would think so. I mean, it didn't really work out, did it, when he came back to Chelsea, other than when he played Villa, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, it's in Villa's best interest, he stayed in Serie <laughs> Yeah, so uh, maybe Mings uh, had something to say since he's part of uh, Rock Nation. Uh, he probably voted uh, to stay in the, the San Siro as well. Uh, point number three, right, uh, yeah, uh, this, this is the one I've been waiting to get to. 
<laughs> set piece routine from the Colombian Premier League uh, that I hear on good authority has impressed Austin McPhee. Uh, so expect it at Villa Park very soon. Now this uh, involves uh, basically when you're in the wall, putting trying to put off the free kick taker. Now uh, Giesen uh, Pereira of uh, Santa Fe opted for some call it unconventional. I I call it uh, thinking outside of the box <laughs> against Jaguars. Where he, he he whipped out his todger to put off the uh, the taker of the free kick. Show me the rule that's been that's been broken. That's what I want to know. That's perfectly <laughs> legitimate. Well, the rule was he was standing next to Carlos Sanchez, formerly of Aston Villa. The Rock. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know how he got that nickname, but your imaginations run wild. Yeah, so that is probably the the backstory to why they call him The Rock, and surely some kind of uh, inkling of why this guy uh, had to get it out. Apparently, he said, I was fixing my lycra. <laughs> that, that was his excuse. That's, don't you bike to Villa Park sometimes? Maybe that could be your excuse, David. Yeah, I, I was fixing I my lycra as I alighted my bike. I'm not one of those lycra boys. Oh. You know, the professional bikers who uh, dress up in all the gear just to bike five minutes from their office or whatever. But uh, he says, when I en- you know enter the pitch, basically, I'm there to play. I'm not aware of cameras. Well, what about Obviously. the fans? <laughs> what about the opposition players? What about your own players? <laughs> So I don't know who Austin McPhee's going to persuade to uh, do the old whip it out on the wall uh, routine. We're all thinking, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Big Daddy Donker. Big Daddy Donker. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, you smutty boy. Before we go on with the show, I just want to give a big thank you to the people that make My Old Man Said happen, the My Old Man Said members. These are the people that enable me to uh, spend hours at meetings with a club, meetings with the Football Supporters Association and other parties, and also uh, to spend the time obviously creating podcasts and extra shows and run match club as well so as always a massive thank you to uh, everybody who is a member and also to the new members uh, first of all Derek Brown Andrew Billings Matthew Brooks and also to the new members that signed up uh, annually which uh, when you sign up annually you get uh, 10% off which is just over one month free so a big shout out to David Ainscoff. Ian Stackhouse and Matt Cole. If you also uh, want to become a My Old Man Said member and get access to ad-free podcasts, extra shows, and we've got one connected to this show, uh, we what we do is we put now put out a weekly show called After Hours, which is uh, which is uh, discussing a theme, extra theme uh, that the show threw up. In this one, uh, this show was actually recorded before Emery was announced as manager, so we were talking about manager options. So uh, you'll be able to listen to that uh, with the hindsight of uh, who we uh, actually end up with. But to become a member of our inner community and get access, uh, most importantly, to Match Club, uh, please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the members link there to get more details and to sign up. Thank you. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Very much. Right, let's get into this game. Brentford at home. Now, uh, I think once upon a time, after, around the time of the Second World War, I think it was, where you thought <laughs> where you thought Brentford was a was a gimme three points. Unfortunately, the last time we'd beaten them, I think in eight attempts, was 1947. Yeah, Churchill was prime minister. Yeah, which is uh, just bizarre, and I don't know. I've, I've I've kind of found them irritating, but I, I won't go into why. Uh, but, <laughs> and so that's it, a bonus podcast. So it's peeved me why we can't beat them recently. And of course, when you see the fact that Brentford haven't won a, an away game this season, you just think, ah, oh, this is just crying out for a Brentford away win, isn't it? Our uh, recent form against them has been terrible as well, and potentially they could give us another one of their old managers just to rub salt in the wombs and then replace him with an with a better version but luckily thanks to uh rational and logical uh coaching from uh, mr aaron danks no more franks in the uh, the queue for the villa job because he was absolutely blitzed and wiped out within the first 15 minutes we have got previous for this david do you recall we bought scott hogan um so we, we've we're more than more than capable of still acquiring players and managers from teams even after brilliant victories and things like that. I think that there's still a risk of this. This is Aston Villa Football Club. Are you talking about uh, Frank still being in the... Uh, I, uh, I think that's not going to happen. There'll be so much of, too much of a backlash. Not, not nothing against uh, Frank's, because uh, I think most people would cons- job consider him, because he's more because he's a likeable kind of guy. Uh, Maybe yep. it was a sacrifice. Maybe he's laid down for us today in order to... No, the, the sacrifice. We've already made the sacrifice, Dan, uh, and that was getting three points. That, no, Thomas. that was the sacrifice. Was uh, letting a blue nose uh, caretake manager the club. That's true. That's Not many true. people know that. It's the, be the first blue nose to win in how many years at Villa Park? At least a decade. Mm. But uh, anyway, the main. Uh, and this was funny because I was talking about the four-two-three-one system, and Gerard Houllier, when he used it against Manchester United, when the system was so good, you could put. Jonathan Hogg and Barry Bannon in as the as the deep two and still blitz United and uh, obviously uh, Danks thought about this 
after listening to the show and thought, yeah, I've got Dendonka and Louise instead of uh, Hogg and uh, Bannon. This this could potentially work. The main attraction of the uh, in terms of going forward is that three that plays behind the uh, the uh, the man up the top can interchange and swap. They didn't really do it in the game uh, in this example, but he did actually swap over Bailey and Watkins which uh, seemed to give us a lot more balance, and I think both were pretty effective. And then your uh, big thing is you've got Buendia playing in uh, the central role of that three, and the way he presses, and if he loses a ball or if he gives it away, he's right on it straight away. So, I mean, it was it was day and night in terms of dynamic formation, clear formation. It was so apparent straight away. Disciplined Louise and Dendonka, and after not knowing what the hell Gerard's been doing uh, pretty much the whole season, it was it was kind of refreshing, not only for the supporters but the players, because Bing Bang Bosch three 0 after fourteen minutes. Well, it just felt really obvious and natural. They all just they all sort of slotted. And you thought, well, yeah, this this surely this is the system. Surely this should have been the system. Bearing in mind, you've obviously still got a couple of heavy hitting players to come back in, but actually, you sort of saw the team sheet. And you knew how we would set up, and you thought, "Yeah, I'm having that. That looks pretty good." And they all knew their job from the word go. Because there was there's okay. three things that's hamstrung Gerard that has his reign unfolded. The red flags. One was uh, Coutinho after having him on a loan period, not really being super impressed. But the main thing was how that compromised Buendia because yes. Buendia it kind of makes your team tick. Yeah, he's like your luck. He's like your lucky general, but he's good. And he just runs the the midfield completely, like you said. What was say before? It was like Kevin Richardson only with further forward. And I, what did I say with sequins? Yeah, <laughs> glitter. So that was always a big problem about the Coutinho thing. It was like you know, I, while I wasn't the biggest fan, it, I rationalised it. it. Was like you know, if it's seventeen million, you might as well. I mean, obviously the wages are going to be expensive. But if you're building a squad, why not have him in? Problem is with the Gerard connection, he's probably going to get in above Buendia. And actually, when we got rid of Grealish. And the whole replacing him in the aggregate. At the time, you thought, yeah, Ings, Buendia and Bailey, that's pretty good if they play in a formation. But they've never been played. They haven't played. It was the first time they've actually ever started together, which is just nuts when you think about it. Yeah. Well over a year after they were signed. Doesn't that indicate, uh, I mean, I I was thinking about this when the team news came out that, and again, this is ahead ahead of the result, that. Thanks for me. Made some, as I think you said, Chris and David. You, you, you said you made some obvious changes, if you like the the things that we'd all been sitting there thinking, why don't we try that? Um, but actually, he was quite brave, I think. And the, the one that stood out to me was the Ramsey decision. It enabled that formation to, especially with uh, Big Daddy Donker to take Phil's uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to step that in. That's going to stick in it. But yeah. it had such balance. Uh, and and it, and it made, uh, you know, as you were talking, I made a note that I didn't recognise some of the players today because I'm not going to use cliches like they were unshackled or whatever. But Louise had a freedom. Bailey was a different man, a completely different human being. Um, but but exactly what you were just saying, Chris, that you, you look at some of the, the talent that we have in, in, in the team sheet. It made no sense to me in the, in the last few weeks leading up to Gerard sacking. Well, months, yeah. So, yeah, months, in fact. In, that- in fact, in, no, this is going back to last season and the turn of the year, really, at times. You just thought, <sighs> We had a club yeah. record signing in Buendia that we seemed intent on not using. And, yeah, that was and, bizarre. And, and, and when and, we and- stood to lose him, I think, if, if something hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was obvious that if we were going to be a team that could... Uh, Let's say Noel at the top six and get amongst it. Buendia is a good play, a good enough player to cause them problems. Well, you aren't getting called up to that Argentina squad as a midfielder if you're a bad player because at the moment they've probably got one of some of the best midfield talent in the world, so they clearly rate him. 
Yeah. So, so I was talking about three things that uh, were red flags. Another one was the McGinn captaincy because that sets it. Because mm-hmm. we were looking, we were always talking about McGinn as like if Villa have to, you know, need, if they're going to step up to another level, McGinn's going to be have to, having to start from the bench because I don't see him as disciplined and consistent enough to to be that in a Villa team that's up the next level. I mean, we'll talk I'll talk about it now. Dendonka, very disciplined in his role. Decent keeps with his it, passing. Keeps it so simple. Kept it simple. McGinn came on and he was straight away, he was kind of drifting about and, and following the ball and being sucked in. And it's like, it's what I've been talking about. And then the other one is Mings. And I mean, if anybody did a good job of getting rid of Gerard, it was in the last couple of games, it was Mings, <laughs> you know, own goal. Professional assassination. Rid- ridiculous <laughs> header under no pressure. And then in this game, he's popping up on the left wing. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's loving life. But doesn't that just summarise, I think, the two huge errors at the beginning of this season that Gerard made, which was the McGinn captaincy and the public uh, stripping of Mings of that and, and criticism that came with yeah. it? I, yeah. I think that those were two things yeah. that if you wanted to alienate yourself in a squad as the manager... Yeah, it's a surefire um, way, isn't it? Well, you know, the appointment of McGinn as captain at that time, as, as you know, as you've been discussing and has, has been clear clear to see, really, that at a time of his lowest ebb of form and at a point when the club was looking to kick on um, and develop its own squad, McGinn... You know, the question mark, you know, he probably fits in our squad, but is he the, always the starter? No, and he certainly wasn't the captain for me. And it's almost like a, a hypocritical argument that you use, your excuse, should I say, you're using for Mings getting relieved of the captaincy so he can concentrate on his own game. There's McGinn struggling for form and, you know, role in the team. And, and so what? Oh, so we'll give him the captaincy. So what? So it can distract him from his own game? You know, what, what, what's the logic? But, you know, we did say, well, maybe it would make him focus and uh, give him hoped. confidence. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, you know, it's forlorn hope. It's not, we're not saying it's logical. We're just trying to come up with some idea why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was, that was the card he played, uh, Gerard. It was like, right, well, maybe if we give McGinn some authority. And it's like, well, I don't really want to give the guy in the turkey suit the uh, the captaincy it's alright having a you know people like him joking around and all that kind of shit but that's not captain captain is like leading on the field either by example or like Ashley Young does and Ashley Young we'll probably come on to that a little bit later but he has been the sort of de facto captain over the last few weeks anyway obviously Martin yeah. has got the armband for the Brentford game but it's Ashley Young who is the leader and the, the one yeah. who sets the tone in even in terms of like just tempo of passing and pattern of play he's probably looks like he's one of the ones him and Louise are the ones calling the shots at set pieces as well there was a brilliant moment when uh, we got the penalty Young got the ball was clever stood on the penalty spot with the ball while the referee flat, while the referee was fannying around Brentford player was coming up to him giving him shit and the referee was calling him away and he told him you know told the Brentford player to get lost the Brentford player kind of walked past Young gave him more shit trying to put him off talking to the goalkeeper in front of Young and then Young just gives the ball to Ings <laughs> It's priceless. <laughs> Brilliant. Genius. Experienced pro. <laughs> exactly. He knows all the tricks and he's playing all the tricks. He's played for Man United and he's played in Italy. He so knows he, he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> he knows all the dark arts. Going back to the, one of the, the biggest change, and you noticed it so quickly in the game, where there was two. One, all of a sudden the players were chasing everything and guys like yeah. Louise, who aren't, necessarily known for their harrying should we say they were putting their foot in everywhere and I'd said like a broken record that you could just sense that the players didn't believe that they could execute the plan they'd been asked to do for the last what probably since January was all of a sudden within like 15 minutes the players are like well this is fucking great yeah all of a sudden like 
we're all comfortable in this system. This works. One of Louise's best balanced. games in the shirt. Easily one of Louise's and comfortably Bailey's best performance in a Villa shirt in terms of an all-round performance. I mean, we'll come on to that. But that third, uh, sorry, the fourth goal that starts in our corner flag with him. And you just think, get your head down and go. Do you wonder, because um, I, I saw Danks's post-match and I'm not sure which, which outlet it was with, but he described how he hadn't had much time to put together what he described as a basic game plan. Yeah, and it, and it set me thinking that you know it's not basic. I, I don't imagine at their level, but I was I was wondering what. It's very easy to be dismissive of Gerrard's and say you know what you could just say what was the plan and you know I, I was one of those people perhaps during the Fulham game and trying to work out what we were trying to do. Were we trying to do something too clever? That was my I, argument yeah. that it's it's almost you're overthinking the problem. I think the players you could see the players in the pitch. The the main difference for me was they only had one job. Each player yeah. only had one job. In Jared's formation, it looked like each of them had maybe two or three different roles to play, and like it was maybe all interchanging all the time. If he's not there, you have to do this and everything. Well, yeah, and, it's, it's like I mean the very principle of his uh, attacking fullbacks. It's like you have two midfielders that fill in. So it was Ramsey's and McGinn's role that if depending on who's on what side if you know cash is far forward or lucas dean's far forward then they would have to drop back so that's one another role they have to think about it and, it, and it, which in, isn't their game by no way. exactly and it, and it kind of compromises their game of uh getting forward and running at people so you know exactly what phil said it it was almost like danks had you know, he's been watching these guys obviously since uh, Richard O'Kelly left because obviously he was his replacement so he's been there long enough to kind of see these guys up close and he's probably just sort of watched them you know days before the game going all I need to do is get the best out of these guys these aren't bad players you put them in a shape and just let them blossom which he did and you just go it's, it's great well at the Fulham the Fulham game I, I was I I turned against the players after that game I thought fucking hell and then in this game you're like Oh, hello. We're the greatest <laughs> team in the world. <laughs> where, which where, which where says a lot about Gerard. I mean, I know, I know you tweeted it, David, didn't you, during the game. You think, wow, these guys really didn't like him. They <laughs> yeah. fucking hated him. I mean, the, it's funny that Danks is still there. I mean, the whole rest of Gerard's coaching staff all got the chop. Danks is almost like a separate employment well, with the club. Well, he came in before. He, he, yeah. he came in for O'Kelly. Well, it's but it makes, fee and, yeah. um, but it makes you wonder how cuts, much, et Yeah, it makes you wonder how much input Danks had. Was it literally just like very little teeing the ball off for them to kick it against the end of the empty net if he was an attacking coach? Or that he was overruled. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the... Uh, that which would be my suspicion. I mean, we, we, we'll talk about it after. Let, let's stay on stay on the game. But in terms of Louise, there's uh, there's two there's two types of Louises. There's the Louise that I would have sold quite happily for twenty two, twenty three million on deadline day, and then there was the Louise we saw against Brentford, where you're thinking, ah, perfect. Wow. You know, yep. if, if you're signing a new contract and Kamara is in, injured, perfect. That was uh, I've, ne- I've never seen him uh, as kind of you know aggressive combative in, in the middle of the park winning tackles on the ball yeah really dictating the tempo and also you look you zoom out a little bit you, all of a sudden your squad looks a heck of a lot better when you've got Louise playing well because now you think well if we want to play two sixes or two holding midfielders you've got Louise Dendonka Kamara to come back and then you've got a fourth one in the Chambers and, 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 and then you've got Chambers as well you've got yeah. so many options interchangeable parts you've just got to find the combination well Dendonka suddenly becomes a very very interesting piece on, on the yeah. chessboard doesn't he big daddy yeah <laughs> he's such an unfashionable type of player but he does all the ugly stuff well a little bit like a, a younger version of like a Yedinak or someone like that oh it's the oh that's the benchmark <laughs> without the beard 
What a beard! Telling me we're going to be be bringing on Big Daddy Donker when we're one nil up with five <laughs> minutes, five minutes to play. He <laughs> 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 just needed you, Glenn Whelan. <laughs> but he allows he allows all now. your flair players to go and do their thing, doesn't he? Well, exactly that. And but he's also you know he's technically good enough. He's he's tidy, and you know if he's he in the, oppos- the game better than most of our if he's team. In, to be honest. Yeah, if he's in the opposition box, then it's all good. It's not like yeah. you've got some you know idiot in there. No. As as we know, yeah, I was going to say, it does him some disservice? Does he a full Belgian international? Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like we said before. It's it's it's, a, it's it's simplified the whole thing. It's like the old midfield. If there's two in midfield, one goes, one stays. I mean, it's it's yeah. it is as simple as that. Because yeah. when we signed him, we thought good signing. You know, people it was just were going, savvy, wasn't it, really? oh, donkey. Uh, we were saying good signing makes complete sense, very logical. And then after a few weeks, we're like, uh, maybe you should play him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then in the last the... podcast, we're like, uh, what? that was a waste of time, buying Dendonka. But didn't we, we got into the same habit, I thought, recently with Ings, that and that where yeah, exactly. we're chopping changing, and it made no sense to me that it was creeping into classic Villa territory. You've got a predatory striker who score goals everywhere else, and we'd starve the guy. And yeah. you saw today yeah. that... And he was frustrated. Well, yeah. He, he didn't know much. whether he was starting, he, and when they did, the service was patchy. If again, why why did you buy him? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. his goal against Brentford, and I'm I'm sort of fast forwarding a bit, but his first goal against Brentford that is the quintessential Danny Ings goal. Yeah, 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 that could have been any goal, any time in his career, couldn't it? And then from the penalty spot, you always fancy him. But it's interesting. You know, obviously, Phil says about you know we simplified the game. It actually, for once, one of our really intricate set pieces was executed to pinpoint precision, which was good for you know, obviously good for uh, Austin McPhee. A few of the players ran over to him on the bench because you think actually, do you know what? You've you've pulled one out of the bag there because that was so well executed. Yeah. <laughs> I love it that he gets his own celebrations. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> well, if he if he pulls it off, great. And obviously, Louise nearly bent one in from a corner again, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, hit the woodwork flicked onto the woodwork by the keeper it's a great save actually when you see it slow down the fact we're creating chances well in this game anyway where you know your striker's getting it on the edge of the six yard box rather than Watkins having to beat off two guys and he doesn't know should I take another touch or should I shoot and it's always the kind of half chances the keeper's either bearing down him we're not creating like point blank range attempts and well, I, was really, I was really exactly pleased with right. both of them actually that they got yeah. goals especially Watkins who I think got it was it the third third time of asking but got his goal and I thought no, he deserved it because he worked hard Keystone Cop hilarity yeah. that was uh, yeah. the first time you thought oh fair enough the second time you thought oh here we go get some luck mate I hit <laughs> the then, post again I think, I think he just got angry didn't he ah, fuck yeah. <laughs> swing it we, said yeah. be- we said before whatever manager comes in when we're talking about it is it's right Ings is up front Watkins we need you out right we need you out left we need you out wide you, you'll yeah. score as many out there because of the, the yeah. nature of your game just get the f- over get over the, your obsession not even his obsession the obsession like to turn him into this number nine right through the middle because you've got Ings put Ings there and you've got Watkins on the other side everyone's yeah. happy and the formula's kind of there now with, with the, the couple of guys you've got to come back in if you get a, the Carlos that we think we're going to get back and a Kamara that upgrades those positions if he can get into the team if Dendonka's playing well sorry mate but you're not getting in but you know we'd always push for that number eight player whereas actually when you play two sixes and three sort of forward players off a lone strike yeah, you don't need it you don't need it do you because Buendia and Dendonka are kind of like the eight and the ten together you don't need an eight because Buendia does the forward thinking stuff and Dendonka does the the dirty stuff. But Buendia is very good off the ball as well. He presses a little bastard, presses really he is well. Nasty. It's like not it. like if you got Coutinho, like on the ball, he's he's good on the ball, but if if he loses it or off the ball, he's he's not a presence. He's not he's a force. He's an angry little man, David. I like it. But he's not a force. <laughs> but Buendia, 
will as likely win the ball back. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like a stabber. You just yeah, think if, you, if you're in prison or something, he's going to shiv you. Stab, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slasher. <laughs> but it's that stuff, isn't it? Like the amount of times, especially in the first half, where Villa players would rally, especially to their two fullbacks, get right in their face and block passes and clearances and go out for a throw but that's the shit that gets the fans lifted because it's like they're clearly showing like work ethic and there was one really late in the game wasn't there where Louise virtually sprinted the length of the field everyone's like whoa hang on a minute when did this guy get quick but those are the obvious comparisons aren't they that it's so night and day to the Fulham game where it it was so they weren't running through a brick wall (laughs) well it was such a bad performance that you almost you almost didn't as a fan see the obvious and it only occurred to me at the end of the game that Fulham would get to our into the final third, completely unopposed. Yeah, you know, and uh, it, no, no, it, Big Daddy Dunker. Nah, hoovering up the, with his Big Daddy <laughs> Dyson. But but we've now got Dyson. <laughs> but we've now got a, a, a blueprint that we know that formation. Yeah, don't want to do a disservice to Brentford, but you know we've now got a formation. Newcastle that, five, Aston Villa <laughs> nil. Yeah, yeah, I'll be back well, on for that. I will, well, remind, remind you, and you'll not like me for reminding you this. Do you remember? Um, Kevin McDonald's game, Milner's last game, Villa strode out after Martin O'Neill left and the demolished West Ham. Next game, yeah. Newcastle away, six 0 Yeah, thanks for reminding us of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> thanks, Phil. Really, come on, we need to bring bring us back down to earth. Thanks, Phil. You're always welcome on this show. Uh, yeah, but there's Phil. no Steve, no Stephen Ireland in the squad, so it's okay. Player of the year. But going back to uh, the midfield, uh, one of the reasons uh, we kept talking about this number eight was to just to give that kind of box to box kind of physicality, winning the ball back. But when you've got Buendia in there, as well as obviously the two number sixes, that kind of gives you all, all you want because Buendia is very good in terms of uh, harassing at mm-hmm. the top end of the midfield, further forward. And then just that solidity of having, and Louise looked a different player. It looked a lot more aggressive, as, as I've already said. And, you know, obviously Big Daddy Donkers, I can't keep saying that. Get <laughs> it in again. Is, is a unit. So uh, it does, in the in physical sense, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot better in terms yeah. of profile than we have been. Well, Louise isn't under pressure to win the first ball. Then Donker goes for that. Louise yeah. is in there for the second ball or to get his foot on the ball and play. His role doesn't change dramatically, but it's subtle enough that it's it plays to his strengths now. He no longer needs to go about the pitch headbutting the opposition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> no, he was that was thrown out. He was dismissed. Exactly. The shape of actually putting Bailey and Watkins wide. You know, the Chelsea game, like Chilwell, and every every time we played, Various teams, their fullbacks have had the, you know, the the freedom of Villa Park. All of a sudden, we pinned there. We were doing, you know, to the opposition what they've done to us for the last six to eight months. What, what have we, what have we done to Bailey? I mean, Bailey left the pitch against Fulham. Uh, he had broken his arms. People you know, have I didn't, given up on him. Actually. I didn't care. I thought he was I done. I thought he was done. Bailey. I'd have put him back in the shed that he was unveiled from. You <laughs> was know, in that was... kind of form. You're like. Now you can see why he Super. got the move and why he's there. Super, but you wonder what what were we coaching him? What were we saying? Because we've seen flashes of it. I mean, you've seen it's flashes so of him that a lot of the time I would have him on, you know, above the wingers we got rid of because he's got that kind of elite level of electricity that he can spark something. But it was just like he wasn't being utilised. Yeah, and agreed. sometimes was a passenger, and and I think if you play in elect, you know, the first fifteen minutes, you know, the pass in the, the matters bloody back heelers and step overs, as good as your stuff, seat. as good as your seat, and that gets players like Bailey and Buendia, you know, that gets them uh, <laughs> hard salivating. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, he, the, you know, it gets them up for it, and they enjoy yeah. their football because that's in their DNA, that kind of style. And normally, when you're watching players who are enjoying their football, 
the fans will enjoy it. I mean, there was one pass, I think it was Buendia to Watkins, wasn't it? I think it's what it goes Buendia to Watkins, and then Louise has a flashing shot that goes past the post. But I think me and you were saying at half time, David, I don't think anybody in the ground saw that pass other than Buendia. I was like, whoa, hang on a minute, where did that yeah. come from? He, he, he's got that, well, he's got that skill that it's meant to be Coutinho, that X factor of picking passes that no one else can see on the pitch. Yeah, I like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming I like watching him play. He's fun. He's a very different player, but he's got that air of like a Dwight York where every time he gets the ball, you think, well, something's going to happen here. Yeah. And it's and it's fast as well. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, it's like his brain's working at twice the speed. And with him and a couple of other guys in the Brentford game, you saw them, they're relaxed. They were willing to, to play that 50-50 ball that maybe they wouldn't have a few weeks ago. But the thing about Buendia, I think I also said to you, uh, once he gets a run of games, because he thinks twice as fast, sometimes, you know, some of his passing goes astray, but it's not because they're bad passes. It's a lot of the time, it's like, you know, his teammates don't see Mm -hmm. the possibility of it. So they're not on his wavelength. So, but that comes with games. He hasn't played many games like consecutively starting. So once that happens and people tune in and obviously in training as well, then Villa could be even, even more snappier in terms yeah. of their passing and their movement. And in terms of just, you know, you wanted to score goals. If you know you've got Bailey and Watkins hugging the touchline, you know you've got width, it gives him space to play in. And then he knows that Ings is going to be in the six-yard box. What a novelty. A striker who's just there to score goals. But also the good news is, I mean, you've, you've, you've got Buendia who can shoot and also Louise was getting a bit more uh, forward. So he was, he he was coming, effort, in, he? coming in from deep and that's where we wanted him. After we he first signed, he showed us with a couple of goals, uh, like 30 yarders. Yeah. So he's got it in his locker, but we've never seen it since because he doesn't, you know, we don't sustain pressure long enough or keep it in the, the final third for him to actually drift in from deep and, you know, and hit it when the ball kind of goes back out. So, you know, all the rudiments are there. Brentford, people are saying, oh, Brentford are shit. Brentford aren't shit when they play Villa normally. And, you know, they've got one of the informed strikers who was completely snuffed out of the game. Drew, drew a Chelsea in midweek. Yeah. Nothing to be sniffed at. So the way we dispatched them was pretty impressive. And just the way that uh, everything was kind of simplified, it looked so balanced and the players looked like they were, you know, they were loving it. I mean, would it be fair to say that first... 20 minutes or first half in general, that's probably the best football we've played since we beat Liverpool 7-2. I can't think of a game where we were that free-flowing and had that and had that much potency in front of goal. Yeah, I think Coutinho's best moments probably, I don't know, Leeds, Southampton. Mm-hmm. But Southampton, if you remember, was in quite short bursts, wasn't it? We won 4-0, but we actually played in two 15-minute spells where we just flew through yeah. and then we actually switched off. This one, we were even when the game went a bit quieter, we were really controlled which is the word we've been trying to look for for years. It was the ruthlessness, wasn't it? That, you know, we from the first minute through to that first, you know, the end of the first 15 minutes, it was merciless for Brentford. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get a team rocking, it's it was very unvilla like to, to do that. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's a very, that's something that hopefully that we can take into other games. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of the comparison of when someone, th- there's been plenty of examples across across recent months, but the, the fact is we haven't been so on top. You know, there was, there was glimmers at things like the Man City game and false dawns, perhaps they can be yeah. regarded as now. Well, according to Phil Shaw, this is very much a false dawn with our away <laughs> trip to Newcastle on the horizon. I think that's, that could be a really good game of football. And the Man United one the week the week. Good against evil is how game. I'm going to be mm. billing it in my Absolutely. in my pre-match. <laughs> so I don't imagine I'll be getting any visas thing, to that um, part of the world anytime soon. One thing uh, we said at halftime, didn't we, David, was a lot of teams will tactically, they'll try and they'll try and turn Villa around to make them shoot to the whole end in the first half, thinking it will dampen them. But actually, it, 
completely went the other way for Brentford because because we needed to start well. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they needed to start off. well. They um, I mean, it's the perfect start, isn't it? Scoring the manner we did after two minutes, and the roof came off. And I think the players were like, right. Let's go now. When you're slapping a team about and you let's say minimum of four nil up. One thing I don't like is when they score a consolation goal and kind of tarnish oh, the whole thing. Was dreadful at the end, and they had a great, great opportunity to do that. And uh, it's up there with Ronnie Rosenthal, pretty much. <laughs> yes. I mean it's point blank range and I mean they uh, didn't deserve it. Four nil was kind of didn't really flatter Vida, which is rare for us to say. The player I can't remember who it was, but he was he was just too casual yeah, with it. Was it. In, in he got subbed off instantly, didn't he? Yeah. He thought he thought he'd scored before he kicked the ball. Off he went to the glue factory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're not even taking him back to Brentford. It was the uh, the local Birmingham glue factory that they used to send the uh, the bomb squad back in the day under Lambert. He's, he's going out to West Brom in, in January now. All right. Anything else to uh, take away from this uh, game? I thought the 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 players uh, were visibly really up for it in terms of you could see they wanted to to reignite with the crowd in terms of uh, you know some kind of feeling and favour because that Fulham they probably uh, felt a bit embarrassed by what happened there but it was it was embarrassing I mean some some will be cynical and say well if you can turn that on in the the manner you did against Brentford then that says a lot about you as personalities and I'll take that and you think well all right, okay a new manager will take that on board but it shows what this team is capable of when they can really turn up yeah, because the bigger picture. I mean, you play I, like that against anyone, you're gonna you're gonna hurt teams. Well, no, the bigger picture. I was, as I said, I turned against the players after that Fulham performance, mm-hmm. and then you're also thinking, well, we've just wasted a load of money on a load of players who really didn't give a fuck about Villa, and uh, we're we're in the shit here, relegation picture. But from that performance, you think actually, as you know, it, it validates everything we've ever said about them in terms of talking about it logically and how much they're worth, and from what we've seen with our own eyes in terms of previous podcasts. I mean, if that Fulham was the blueprint, they've basically nullified any praise we've given, you know, any of them. Also, they put on a, the performance against Brentford suggests we won't get relegated if we've got that in our locker. He says, well, I think it, make, it makes <laughs> you think that actually you Newcastle can, five, Aston Villa. I think it, it makes you think actually when you get your, you know, your couple of your big players back in January um, or sort of over the Christmas I, th- I think you can actually get because of the way the league table has sort of fallen you can put a run together and there's no reason why if, if top 10 is the goal I don't think there's any reason why you can't achieve that you know, the talk of Europe is going to be nonsense in reality but this, if you're thinking we want to be ninth, 10th let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah, it's Hot quick hold him down get his legs Phil <laughs> <laughs> Dan grab his arms well, I'm, just the, if, I'm just the weight I'm like an anchor <laughs> <laughs> because I haven't been impressed with many teams who've come to Villa Park. That's not to say I've been impressed with us, us either, but yeah. the level is not that high that you've no, got to get isn't. to. But let's, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what Phil said about and the history of what, uh, what happened when we uh, got rid of O'Neill, beat West Ham, and then got absolutely... Uh, I mean, our record at St. James's is pathetic. So, um, Bearing in mind how bad they've been in recent years. Yeah. So, uh, Good versus evil. That's yeah, hold, hold, hold your grand revolution... Uh, theory until after the Newcastle game I don't think we'll get relegated on the basis of that also the basis that we we did kind of tighten up but the main thing is we've always spoke we're always always spoken about regardless of new signings when we went into this new season you're looking at Ings you go this um, the word upside Ings we haven't even used him yet Buendia we haven't even used him yet and these are two super key players and yeah. you're saying, you know, big hitters out, but we don't know if they're big hitters for Villiers because obviously they've come from other leagues and we need to see more of them. I think Kamara, perhaps, uh, we, we know that he 
potentially will be good. Carlos, we, we still don't know 100%. It's, you know, it's a difference in terms of La Liga and uh, Premier League. But I think there's enough, if if they play the right formation, and this looks good, it's the first time, you know, Smith never got a tune out. He, he wasn't playing Buendia innings and didn't have the, the formation, uh, you know, that we saw against Brentford. So automatically, we had the players before anybody else came in to play a lot better than we had been doing. So if that box is ticked, then we should be all right. Agreed. Yeah, that was the day that the the aggregate was finally unleashed. That's what it was. Yeah. We are replacing Jack Grealish in the aggregate. And this is the first time we've actually seen the the bloody aggregate in play. Right. uh, I don't think we need any reasons to be cheerful uh, as we sign off. I I, I can't wait until somebody says, maybe they will on another podcast. We've got our villa back. (laughs) Villa are back. Aston Villa are back. All I can say is wait until after Newcastle. You heard it first from the lips of Phil Shaw. (laughs) Bearing in mind we've got Manu at home after that and we know how that normally goes. I mean, we finished 10th a second ago. (laughs) (laughs) I still think a revolution is not one game, but you think if you get the shape right and the players can show they can do it over the course of a 38-game season, that side is going to do reasonably well. If they play anywhere like that level. I think just Newcastle are a problem. I'd rather play United first. Cause Newcastle New- would be a problem anyway, though. I, I, I'm not going to sort of take it in isolation. Mm. With their suddenly suddenly getting a lot of VAR decisions. And they do believe. A lot of time a lot of time wasting what things like that. What are you like saying a, there? You're saying a bit of brown paper mm. and oil money's been slipping its way to Pog Mall or whatever they call themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I like it. I like his thinking. They can't get Phil across the water. They can't, they can't get him over there. <laughs> well, I'm not getting in any private jets. <laughs> Good performance against Newcastle. Hopefully something from it. And then uh, that will have us in as good a shape because I thought, ah, shit, we're going to go into those double whammy against United like a burning shipwreck. But we actually might be in a good position and they could be defining games because uh, mm-hmm. if we beat them in the cup, that's going to be great for uh, coming back after the World Cup to still actually be mm-hmm. in everything. Right. On that note, as we await the- Sean Dyche <laughs> walking through the Villa gates, hopefully as a manager of another team, it's goodbye from me <laughs> and it's goodbye from them. <laughs> goodbye. 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 <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.